The call for proposals for Voice Summit 2020 is available now. Having the opportunity to speak at Voice Summit will be highly competitive this year. So if you'd like the chance to be a speaker at this year's event, fill out the form at voicesummit.ai and click on Apply to Speak. Proposals are only open until January 31st, so be sure to get yours in now. That's voicesummit.ai and click on Apply to Speak. Many people think you only need a developer to create a voice application, but co-founder and CEO of Robocopy, Hans Van Dam, suggests that it's the conversational designers that make the difference in bringing a voice skill to life and creating trust and communication with humans and AI. You'll hear him talk about what makes great conversation design, why it's needed, how it will change in the coming years, and how his company is leading the way in training for conversational designers. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your co-host, Kerry Roberts. And today, my guest is Hans Van Dam, the CEO and co-founder of Robocopy. Welcome, Hans. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. It's really exciting. Hans, I know you started in copywriting, and then you got into chatbots and then into conversational design for voice as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about your journey into the conversational design space and why it seems like it's such a natural fit for you? Yeah, sure. Like I always wanted to be a novelist growing up. So I, I wrote lots of fiction and dialogue. Then I ended up sort of as a copywriter working for tech companies. Uh, so I got to learn about technology. And then I sort of had my own little startup, which went bust. So I got a job in custom service real quick. And then when these chatbots became a thing, I was like, hey, I know how to write dialogue. I understand the technology. And now I understand the service space. So for me, that was like a very natural fit. And we started doing that. Yeah, we got some help figuring out voice. So we went from chatbots to the voice space. And that sort of you know, allowed us to develop all this stuff that we're doing now. And you're based in the Netherlands. What would you say is the AI culture like there? And how are people experimenting or using voice? Yes, but the Netherlands is a little different. I think we were you know, very far ahead with chatbots. But uh, in, in terms of voice, because Dutch is such a minority language, most big tech companies didn't care too much for us. So Amazon still isn't here. Uh, so we don't have Alexa here in Dutch. Uh, we do have the Google Assistant. I think that was like released probably like a year ago. So it, it, companies here are experimenting, all right? And they're trying to figure it out. But it doesn't work as well as it does in English. I think therefore 90% of our customers are in Dutch. And that's, <laughs> that, that, so that says a lot overall in terms of AI. I mean, there's lots of stuff going on. But just voice itself is tricky here in Dutch. Yeah, that's something I've been learning a lot too. I didn't realize that Alexa wasn't everywhere yet, which makes Google Assistant in some ways more prevalent and, and something people are using a little bit more in other countries, it seems. Yeah, definitely. Like everybody has, obviously, Siri is working. Uh, Google Assistant is working. The Netherlands for Amazon were part of the German market, right? So we're so tiny that they just decided that we're part of Germany. And I think at one point, they'll, they'll make a move into the country and sort of teach Alexa to speak Dutch. But yeah, so far, no announcements around that yet. Now, your specialty is in conversational design. And when it comes to doing that for voice, what would you say creates trust and better communication between humans and AI when it comes to the conversational design? 
Yeah, I mean, in, in general, like what you see, obviously, is that a lot of these projects start as engineering projects, right? So there's a bunch of smart guys in the companies that they figure out, you know, hey, we can use conversational AI technology and build a voice application. And then they often just end up writing the dialogue as well, right? So what we've sort of been able to put together with the help of you know the brands that we work with and some of the universities that we work with, it's really a design process, a step-by-step process that just creates very human-centric designs uh, that's much more natural, helpful, and persuasive. And then if you so having that natural conversation already helps with that. But if we look at you know certain trust markers to create trust between humans and AI. Personality is obviously a big one. You know, your bot personality. How do you design that? What's the wording that you use? What are you trying to achieve? And how do you make people feel comfortable around that? You know, that's through consistency and, and having, you know, the right register in a way. But also if you think about, you know, the people that you trust most, that you're most comfortable around, it's often people that, you know, you had shared experiences with, right? And you've oftentimes in moments of stress, that's when you sort of, you know, create deep and meaningful relationship with people. So if you design, and particularly this works in customer service, like, or if even for like big purchases on the sales end, if you can figure out, you know, how to navigate, you know, how to manage the emotions of customers and understand that sometimes they're stressed and they want to, you know, it's a very important big deal what's going on there. If you really understand the mindset of them and design for that, that's when you start developing these deep, meaningful relationships with customers that advance trust. Also, you know, explainability in AI is becoming more and more important, right? So those two are on the design end, but also explaining to people like, how does an AI come to a certain decision or a certain result? You know, having an explainability narrative around that and creating frameworks for that helps. And also, obviously, like verification. I think one of the bigger things now is that you, there's two trends in the world, right? Companies want more and more data. But at the same time, people are starting to wonder what's happening to that data, right? And therefore, they're losing trust. And these two trends cannot really coexist. And you can sort of feel it everywhere that it's going to be a bigger issue than trust. So I think, you know, making it verifiable for people that you're not misusing their information, uh, that you're not doing anything weird, that it is in fact a secure interaction. If you can make that verifiable, and I know a few companies that are working on that under the radar, then I think all those things put together, you know, personality, designing for moments of stress, explainability and verification, then that together is really going to advance trust and communication between humans and AI. Can you give an example of a moment of stress that a user might have when interacting with a voice interaction? I mean, if you look for very simple things, and like if you look at voice interactions in, in IVR systems in call centers, right? Because that's where a lot of voice applications actually are. You know, they're not on a Google Assistant, but they're just you know in customer service. If somebody is reaching out because, I don't know, maybe their they car crashed, right? Instead of you know, just answering that question, understanding that they're probably shaken up a little bit, right? And they have stress. But there's a lot of these use cases where you don't want to look at like, the rational needs of a user, but you also want to look at the emotional needs of the user. And uh, There's lots of use cases like that. Sure, if somebody wants to order pizza, well, they're probably hungry, right? But that's not <laughs> necessarily that stressful. But it is an emotion that, that's there. Like insurance companies, they have lots of situations where there's stress or governments where there's stress. Pretty much every time there's a financial institution or also travel companies where there's such a big knowledge gap 
between the user and the brand that you know just not knowing is causing stress right so you can already figure out how to put someone at ease or you have to design for that right if there's somebody's like we're doing a thing that if you're on the train from Amsterdam to Paris then 20 minutes before you get to Paris a conversational interface starts talking to you because we know that's the moment of stress right because you get to a new city you don't know where to go we need to acknowledge that and and sort of guide through the process and be like, hey, have you been here before? No, I haven't. Well, what you need to know is that it's actually quite busy and chaotic here. Uh, so are you looking to take the train or the bus or the taxi? Well, I want to take uh, you know, the subway. All right, well, then this is what you do. Uh, so this is how you can sort of navigate people around that. And we've developed what we call escalation prevention model. Pretty much means that negative emotions can lead to undesired behavior. And then there's different copywriting techniques that you can apply to prevent that undesired behavior from happening. So someone that's afraid might become inactive, right? So these are people that you know stop opening up their envelopes and the bill starts stacking up, right? And then there's just different principles that you can apply. Or someone that's you know angry might become revengeful towards your brand. Well, there's different strategies that you can apply then. You don't say, we closed your account because you did not pay your bill in time. You would want to depersonalize that situation where you'd say, well, we always get the money at the end of the month. This time we didn't get it. Let's try and figure out together what's going on. Right? And then you're already managing that emotion on the user's end. Right? So I think it's understanding all those principles of how that works. What role do you think having an actual voice plays with your conversational design? So instead of hearing like Alexa or Google Assistant's voice, but an actual voice actor, does that make a difference in really creating trust and building communication with the human and the AI? I think it's definitely something where everybody needs to go. And I think it doesn't necessarily have to be a voice actor because there's going to be so many standard voices out there. So there's probably something that you can take that you know, fits with your brand. But really, if you're Fortune 500, then you do need to get you know, to that level where it's so recognizable. And it's not just the voice actor itself, but it's also all the audio behind it, all the sonic engineering and the sonic branding to make that recognizable and consistent throughout all the different interfaces and all the different touch points. Now, you are the CEO of Robocopy, as we said earlier, which also hosts the Conversational Academy. Can you tell us what your company does and how does it develop and grow the skills of conversational designers? So what we really do is we say we recognize, develop, and promote the role of the conversation designer. We really see it as a very important role going forward. A lot of people aren't really recognizing it, right? So you see that it's growing now. But we're really seeing this like every company... You cannot imagine a company without engineers right now. Uh, five years from now, we believe that you cannot imagine a company without conversation designers. So we really want to develop and promote that job. And we have the Conversational Academy where we have very extensive courses on conversation design. So how we created this is we already had some curriculum, but then Google reached out and they sort of helped develop all these conversation design tactics and they connected us with other designers. So there's a lot of experience behind that. And in the Conversational Academy, uh, people can follow courses, get trained, and eventually take the exam to become a certified conversation designer. So that's what we do. So we'll, we'll usually our most of our engagements, a brand reaches out, we come in and our own designers sort of do the work, show how it's done. Then we have an assessment that allows us to identify potential conversation designers within your organization. Right? So these are people that come from customer service or UX or, or marketing or communication. 
So, you know, we'll find you a bunch of people in your organization that we can train and, and develop their capabilities and make them become conversation designer. And then, you know, we'll stay involved for supporting them and just growing the team. So we help large organizations really, you know, going from their first voice application to scaling the team to 100 conversation designers. So we work with most of the larger brands that operate in you know, 30 countries. And in 30 countries, they're building conversation design teams. We help them do that through the online academy and through support from our consultancy. I love that. And I love your passion for developing this role. And as you said before, you think in the next five years that it's going to be crucial to have great conversational designers. So how do you see conversational design changing for voice in the coming years? And how would you suggest designers prepare for that? Yeah, I think like people talk about voice. For me, voice is just the interface. What we see is that companies will have that conversational AI department, right? And from that department, they're going to be designing interactions. We design everything voice first because if you can figure it out through voice, then you know, then it's easy to do a chatbot or to do it, you know, for robotics or anything, right? Because you you have different components to work with, right? You can add buttons, and you can add pictures. So we look at us, you know, designing for AI experiences. So you'll have that big department, and if you look at, you know, for conversation designers now. What we need to learn more and more is not just you know designing for voice, but you know obviously multimodal design. But I think it goes beyond that as well. Is that just you know what is a brand and what's the relationship between customers and a brand and and how do we want to design for that? So for chatbots, you know it used to be about just the text in the chatbot, but if you now design for chatbots, you need to figure out you know what the page looks like that the chatbot's active on, right? And also, like, so it's the interplay between voice and visual and all those different interfaces. That's what we need to be focusing on. That becomes so complex. So designers need to focus on that, but companies really need to start thinking about how are we going to set up a department that is going to really learn and develop these capabilities so that we can actually manage this properly. Because you'll see, you know, if you get a large corporation, every department will have their own little conversational experience, whether it's voice or chat or whatever, and it's just going to get very messy, right? And there's everybody that wants to do these projects with the best intentions, but there's really just a good way of doing things and a bad way of doing things. And you want to make sure that you set everything into place to eventually, you know, get to the point where you can just use AI to talk to people. Yeah, from a design perspective, you know, figure out, you know, focus more on multimodal design. But I think that that concept of multimodal design actually goes beyond what we see and what people talk about, right? It's more like AI experience design, which is more, you know, about trust and ethics and how do we want to do those things. So I think that's where the industry is heading. And then there's obviously robotics is going to be more and more important. So what does that look like, right? Because that's the whole extra dynamic even because now you don't even have yeah you have to understand the language but you also have to understand visual cues right because if a user says you know uh, have a look at that and they're pointing their fingers towards that then your robot needs to visually understand what that is so that's creating a whole new dynamic to to voice design and conversation design altogether as well now if people want to learn more about what we're talking about today or they want to connect with you where can they do that the easiest way is obviously the website robocopy.io or conversationalacademy.com. I'm on LinkedIn, easy to find there. Twitter, I'm you know started using Twitter again. It's amazing, yeah. So that's uh, hvdam, I guess uh, at twitter.com. Yeah. So other than that, yeah, just shoot us an email at robocopy.io. 
Perfect. And the last question we like to ask on this show to help promote voice as a whole is what is a current flash briefing or voice skill or experience that you're using or enjoying right now? I think it's the question we all in this industry get asked the most. And I'm always impressed when people have very good answers to it. But yeah, I, I usually, you know, ask Google in the morning to do my daily briefing. I use that a lot. I use the timer a lot. And I listen to ocean waves a lot. That's really my thing. So I'll lay on the couch and I'll ask Google to play me some ocean waves. Other than that, I just use it for asking you know, silly facts. And you know, when you're watching TV or a movie, it's like, hey, how many movies did he play? And all those little things. So yeah, for me, there's not yet that killer action or skill that I, I really love and adore and use on a daily basis. Well, I like ocean waves too. So whether they're real <laughs> or coming from uh, your uh, voice application, it's always great. So a couple of weeks ago, I was in Thailand because I also I do the jungle sounds as well. Oh, that's right? a good one. Yeah, and and uh, you have these little birds, and I'm in Thailand, and I'm waking up. And it's like, hey, why is my alarm going? I was like, oh, I didn't set my alarm, and then I open up the window, and I was like, hey, this is where they googled the jungle sounds. <laughs> <laughs> this is where they recorded it. It was so funny. It was like the exact sound. So, yeah, it's like we didn't have those birds in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good when it sounds just as real. I love that. Thank you so much for being here, Hans, and sharing your insight. And I look forward to seeing how your academy grows and the other things that you bring about. Yeah, wonderful. It's great being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.